Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Elite Beat, your podcast home for all of the news, results, and opinions in the world of all elite wrestling. Joined again by Jenny. Hello. And Megan. Hello. Now, last time, the crux of our conversation all kind of uh, came down on a champagne bet that we made about what the ratings for the first episode of AEW Dynamite would be. And we're going to get into all the other news and everything, but but this is the really important stuff here, so we want to get it out of the way up front. Megan, would you like to uh, refresh the audiences and our memories on what we predicted the ratings would be for episode one of Dynamite? Yeah, let's just go in alphabetical order here. So Andy predicted 850,000. Mm-hmm. Jenny predicted 1.25 million. And I predicted 1.1 million. Okay. If we were playing Price is Right rules... No, I guess I guess you still would have won. You would have won either way. Jenny wins. Because yep. what was the what was the tally there? 1.4 million. 1.4 million viewers, which means Jenny wins the champagne bet. And that brings us to our... Elite Beat Pop of the Week. <laughs> and what do you got for us this week here, Jenny? What, what, was, what was your uh, champagne bet winnings? I have a bottle of... Dumont Jean, 2005. It is an extra brute, which means it is very dry. That was a solid pop. That was a very solid pop. I would say better than last week, even. <laughs> well, last week wasn't champagne. No, it wasn't. You're always going to get a better pop with champagne. That's right. Because of all the pressure. Exactly. Megan, there were some audio issues last week that uh, caused you to be a ghost for the first 15 minutes of the show. But you were drinking a Rheingeist last week. Yes, I was. Yes. Do you remember the style? Mm, truth, it's the pretty standard IPA style. Okay. Yeah. Rep in Cincinnati. We get it. IPAs are popular. I. They're not even my favorite type of beer, but they're available everywhere near where I live. So let's get a good, uh, solid uh, three-way cheers going here. This has been your Elite Beat Pop of the Week. We'll be uh, enjoying this bottle throughout the recording today. WWE issued a statement to a bunch of media outlets on Thursday morning. And not to talk too much about WWE, but it's hilarious that they did this because they issued this statement about an hour before the ratings were made public. And this is what they said. Congratulations to AEW on a successful premiere. The real winners of last night's head-to-head telecast of NXT on USA Network and AEW on TNT are the fans who can expect Wednesday nights to be a competitive and wild ride as this is a marathon, not a one-night sprint. So I saw that. And you knew. And I was like, oh, they lost. Yeah. Please <laughs> they lost prepare. big. Pre- please prepare to give us a chance to do better. They're getting out ahead of that story. Oh, yeah. They're spinning it to positivity. Mm-hmm. I think to say that the first week of the head-to-head battle between Dynamite and NXT, you would have to go so far as to say it was a slaughter. Dynamite averaged 1,409,000 viewers... And NXT averaged 891,000 viewers. Wow. That was above what your estimate for AEW was going to be, though. So I don't think it's too shabby. I feel bad because NXT is getting... getting Shit-hammered? But the the implication that it... It implies that it's doing badly when I think it's still a respectable viewership. Like, the show itself. Trying to maintain perspective. It is one week. I mean... As funny as the statement that WWE sent out was, there is something about it that rings true. It is a marathon, not a sprint. It's just that they treated it 
like it was a sprint that they night. Sprinted so much yeah. that evening. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna they, cut commercials. We're gonna give you three title matches. We're gonna we're gonna do a fifteen minute overrun. Do you like Takeover? Yeah. Prepare to see one. <laughs> yeah. It was Tony Maglio of the Rap. He was the first to report the actual viewership figures. He added that AEW doubled NXT in the adult eighteen to forty nine demographic. AEW got eight hundred seventy eight thousand viewers just in that demo. And as a reminder, NXT got 891,000 total viewers. Wow. So AEW got 13,000 less viewers in the demo than NXT had overall viewers. It's a youth quake. It's an exciting new promotion. I think that this is, to me, not surprising. Where did all the kids come from, though? Um, they... Because they're not watching WWE. They were told about it by all their cool classmates. <laughs> <laughs> and older brothers and sisters. They went to Hobbs and Shaw and they saw that commercial. <laughs> they get on the internet. They've seen YouTube. I mean, they're you, probably being the elite fans. Yeah, you gotta believe that there is a segment of the population that can watch YouTube, but maybe doesn't have access to any other way to watch wrestling, or doesn't know. Like maybe they don't have cable or something. I don't know. Maybe this is the event that got them into it. Well, I think a lot of kids these days do not watch cable. They're mostly watching stuff on YouTube. Yeah, with streaming culture, you can limit what you watch to what you specifically want to watch. I haven't seen a commercial for a new show in months because yeah. I don't watch cable. AEW won in all of the demographic breakdowns, except for the 50-plus audience that NXT won with a .36 in the demo to AEW's .34. Now, what does a .36 versus a .34 mean? I can't tell you exactly what a .36 will be without doing some math, but uh, I did look up how the ratings points worked. So this is based on 2016-2017, so it's fairly recent. But Nielsen uh, estimated that a ratings point, a full ratings point, would equate to 1.156 million households. 1.156 million, okay. Yeah, so basically 34% of that is what AEW did in the 50-plus demographic. Okay. Not to be too dismissive, but you know what? But fuck them, because they watch Fox News. That would be like your Fox... The, 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 the only advertisers that covet 50-plus are, like, advertisers who advertise on Fox News. Well, and that's not even very different. So the d NXT did 416,000 people in that demo versus AEW's of 393. So basically, almost half of... NXT's audience was over 50. Yeah. Of their total audience. Yeah. So you got 23,000 more that, households. And that checks out because eight, WWE's average viewer is a 50-year-old man. Really? Yeah. I believe that, but it's weird to me that the NXT audience is that. It doesn't, it doesn't skew younger? Because, yeah, I believe that demographic is the one that loves seeing like the legends return. And those are the people that they grew up with. It makes sense from that perspective. But NXT has never been a place where that's a thing that happens. So it's I guess it's nice that they, they probably, since they're already WWE fans, they just transitioned over. It's just like NXT seems very youthful to me. So it, mm -hmm. it's weird that that's their main demographic. But I guess you could also say that's the established viewers. So. Yeah. It's surprising to me as well from an NXT perspective. What was the lead-in show from USA? Did they just forget to turn off their TVs? I don't I don't know. It's I don't know. I don't know what it was. So on... that's when prime time starts. Yeah, yeah, it's probably like a Modern Family rerun. Right, but like did they just forget to turn off? 
I don't know. Or did they purposely turn tune in? I mean, this is like across the board for WWE programming. 50-year-old men watch that show, watch those shows. So when I was a kid, the average age of a WWE... like So during the Attitude Era, when I really got back big into wrestling, like huge, um, the average age of a WWE viewer was like someone of about my age. And it stayed that way for about 10 years. And then sometime in the last 10 years, it started skewing way older. And I don't know exactly what happened, but they have been losing young viewers for a really long time, and it's and, it, and it's super accelerated in the last 10 years. Yeah, because I always thought it was kind of neat that me, at 16 years old, was like, I was the average age of, age of a Raw viewer. And then when I was 20 years old, I was still the average age of a Raw viewer. I just thought, like, oh, that's cool. I, I feel like I did when I was growing up, and Boy Meets World characters were still the same, were like the same age as me every year. <laughs> but then, then like, like, like I said, like 10 years ago, it just... It shot up, and I don't really know why. Hmm. Yeah. It was very strange. It is strange. Yeah. AEW was the second most watched cable program among people 18 to 49 that night, on all of cable, behind only a Major League Baseball playoff game. That's pretty good. Yeah. This is a real exciting one, because we get to bury WWE some more. There's, a, there's an independent promotion in England called Southside Wrestling, and they're about to run their final show ever before they get absorbed into another indie called Revolution Pro Wrestling. And so this is the, the Southside Wrestling is the promotion that Kaylee Ray and Joseph Connors and, uh, who's the third one? I forget. There's somebody else who's like big on the uh, UK roster who's like a major person there. Maybe Maybe James Drake. Yeah. But um, WWE suddenly, like these people would have been advertised. Tickets have been sold for this final show. WWE pulled all of the NXT UK talent from their final show on October 26th. And there wasn't any reason for it given. And when that was making the rounds, Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks hopped on Twitter and were basically like, hey, maybe we can help. And so they're sending MJF, Cody and Brandy are also going over to make an appearance. Oh, and Sean Spears. Sean Spears, MJF, and Cody and Brandy are going to make an appearance. You know, you see something like that happening and swirling around social media. You see a chance to jump in and, like, earn brownie points. Like, that's smart. But it's also a nice thing to do. I genuinely believe that they're nice and in a way they love wrestling so much and they want something like this to succeed and it's sure they get some good PR buzz out of it but I would be willing to bet like Cody and Brandy's motivation is majority due to how much they love the business and want it to succeed and like because they can because they can help out in that way so. yeah I thought it was really just a really cool little story though that's really nice yeah, and nothing. I, to my knowledge, nothing else has come out about like what happened with the WWE talent on that show. But that's like where Kaylee Ray like kind of almost like got her start, basically. And you know, and like you know, it's 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 kind of a cool thing. Like you know, this promotion's closing. You've got the NXT UK Women's Champion who came from your little indie group, and then they're just like, no, you can't use her. Hmm, no. Maybe they're trying to rev up NXT UK, so they're preparing to make a very big distinction between them and other indies yeah maybe yeah they're like pulling back some of them what they can they do they seem and... so reactionary at this point in time and so desperate to separate themselves in a positive way like overall not obviously that's a bad look for them but making their shows the best well and if these two indie promotions are combining that combined promotion is going to have more leverage and power and more of a competition against the wwe uk so I could see them thinking of, okay, well, this is going to be a stronger promotion. Yeah. Maybe we don't want to help support that strong promotion. Oh, they'll fully pull their people out, but also give it six months and they'll be poaching the top talent out of 
Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, yeah. it's like, there. it's so easy now with the Wednesday Wars going on to cast them as the big bad and AEW as the good. And they're just, pl- both sides are like playing into those stereotypes so well. <laughs> it's like you don't even have to make excuses in your brain or rationalize it in a way to be that way. They are just fully taking action to help you get there. <laughs> it's like they can't help themselves. Mm-hmm. There's also a big interview on Pro Wrestling Sheet from Ryan Satin, who's the owner of that website. Uh, he interviewed Cody and Brandy uh, ahead of the uh, debut of TNT. And I just bring this up because I thought it was funny. There was a. Uh, do you guys remember a few weeks ago, uh, after All Out, Jericho lost the world title? Yeah. So, mm. Like, so, physically lost the world title, not... Steakhouse. Yeah, so he asked, I guess he asked... Basically. Basically lost. So Ryan sat and asked Cody and Brandy about that and said, like, was the, you know, because the, they've talked about how they have an AEW, like, executive VP group chat going all the time, and, like, Matt and Nick and Kenny and Cody and probably Tony Khan are all, you know, just, like always chatting back and forth. Um, but he asked him, like, was your group chat going crazy? And Cody said, actually, it was not. It was kept quiet amongst the need to know for as long as we could. Uh, I think the tale of it getting stolen at a Longhorn Steakhouse and the grand theft potentially involved. Again, Longhorn Steakhouse. I think that's a really great story. What actually happened was a gentleman just placed it on the roof of a car and it fell off. That's not as sexy as a story. The main thing <laughs> I was happy about, because I ordered a second title immediately... I was happy that we found it, and it was undamaged, and Chris had it in his possession because when he got it that night, it meant the world to him. So I'm glad we have it. I was planning on having Conrad Thompson mine the dark web because Conrad could buy it. Anyway, so I just thought that was a cute little button on that story. And he's right. It is a better story that Chris Jericho, like, went into a longhorn and forgot the title and, like, yeah. it got, you know, all that stuff. But That's a much better story. It makes sense, though. It, it matches up with... Uh, the police report where, like, the guy just, like, found it on the road and brought it in. Yeah. And the velvet bag that it was in and was just like, oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, AEW has announced that the December 4th episode of Dynamite will take place from the State Farm Center in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, Champaign is AEW President Tony Khan's hometown. Mm -hmm. So he's, um, I read that they are doing, like, like, cheap tickets for that show, because he wants to get a lot of, like, students in there, and, like, it, it was just really important for him to, like, for them to run. Because when he was a little kid, he had, he had like, a fantasy wrestling promotion for his action figures, and he called the show Dynamite. And that was, like, so he's, like, living, he's, like, literally living out his, like, little boy dreams of... <laughs> wow. <laughs> Do you feel bad for bashing the name Dynamite now? No. Hurting little baby Tony Khan. <laughs> no, because baby Tony Khan is no more. He's an adult. <laughs> he can make different decisions. The Terminator got to him. <laughs> uh, the Young Bucks posted a video uh, this past Monday announcing that merchandise for the company will be available in all Hot Topic stores beginning in October. And I actually heard that that was like... Uh, well, you said you saw something on Instagram that said it was even yeah. a day before they thought it would be, right? Yeah, Matt Jackson had posted that exact thing saying it's going to be in Hot Topic in October. And it was maybe September 30th or 29th. And someone commented saying, I just bought a shirt today in Hot Topic. So I think it was a little little ahead of October. Do you remember um, last, God, it's probably been two years now, like New Japan got... Like all the Bullet Club shirts mm-hmm. and Hot Topic, and, they, and, they, and that was on the back of like Cody and or of, of, of Kenny and the Young Bucks being Bullet Club members, and they had their like all their different like designs, like especially you know Kenny Bullet Club, and and then like but none of them were making any money from those shirts, 
So then, remember, like, so they had the, the they all created those elite shirts last yeah. year of different variations that, that they also got in Hot Topic, but I think it's cool that, like, AEW now has, like, a, because apparently, like, I haven't been in a Hot Topic in months, but the last time I was there, that kind of, like, they used to have, like, a New Japan stand-up section almost where you could find all of that merch like there'd be naito shirts and tanahashi shirts and stuff like that red shoes the referee i think had a shirt in there but like that stuff was all gone last time i went in and it was just like they were still there but they were relegated to the big wall of t-shirts where you know you look up and say like oh it's an a34 i look down and find my size or whatever but so i think this is going to be like back to like them having like a nice display area for the AEW merch which is cool I wonder how long they're going to be leveraging the pro wrestling tees and the Hot Topics of the world versus... Well, Hot Topic... I So you to, have a physical yeah. storefront. makes total sense. But I wonder how long they're going to be able to keep their t-shirts up on pro wrestling tees. Um, I know that they want to because pro wrestling tees has been so good to them. And they've really developed that partnership there. But if you cannot have... And I, I don't know if this is true, but I assumed... We went on Pro Wrestling Tees the night of the TNT debut thinking, hey, they'll probably run a promo. Just like every WWE pay-per-view has a promo running of some sort to kind of get a deal for a t-shirt. But there was nothing. And Andy and I are wondering if you can't run promos by individual shops. If it has to be all of Pro Wrestling Tees is running the promo. Because I've only ever seen Pro Wrestling Tees sales when it's store-wide and it's all at one discount point and it's always like it's Labor Day weekend sale or it's, you know, Memorial Day weekend sale. It's, it's always something very specific and it's, yeah, it's never, it's never like, Hey, get your AEW. Like sometimes it's like, I have seen it where it's been like during this sale, new Japan merch will be 30% off instead of 20% off like everything else. But I've never seen it like, Hey, CM Punk is selling his shirts for 30% off this weekend. Well, that makes me feel like they have the technology capability to run a different promo by shop which is encouraging because maybe they will do something like that then if they, i thought it was like a technology the technology limitation. exists yeah if they had if they had if they had that ability i think they would have done it on hmm. on wednesday just speculating but i'm guessing it's a back-end setting where it's really easy to group new japan together in a database if you're keeping that um, whereas aew guys are kind of all over because a lot of them have their own processing teams yeah they they've all operated independently but if they pull them together into an aew group in the future it would probably be easy to do the same it's it may have just been a prep thing and also since aew is now like a major TV thing, they might need to restructure their deals and contracts with the store to get a more favorable cut versus what was happening before. So I bet it's possible, and if they can work together, they probably will, but it might take a little more finagling from like a contract point of view. So hopefully in the future, because it would be nice. And again, because Randy and Cody are so nice and into wrestling, it would be great if they could help pro wrestling tees benefit as much as pro wrestling tees help them mm-hmm. leading up to this so and you see it every time um they go to chicago for an event that like it, pro wrestling tees is always like really tied in because that's where they're headquartered and everything you know there's always like signings at the pro wrestling tees stores and things like that so yeah matt's wife who i believe is head of merchandising at AEW now dana massey um she on her instagram on the day of the show and i think the day after 
were at the like one hour tea printing stores and mm-hmm. just had boxes and boxes of stuff that they had printed up and so she was really showcasing pro wrestling tees as well. They so they sent out another press release and they it's th- this first wave of shirts it's going to be Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, Chris Jericho, Cody, Hangman Page, Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are the ones that are going to be available. Mike Johnson over at PW Insider, I believe this was this was Monday and remember the show debuted on Wednesday. A deal between All Elite Wrestling and TSM in Canada had been reached. They made this deal, like, so obviously they'd probably been talking forever. And it takes a long time to get TV deals done because there's, you know, there's a lot of moving parts and money and stuff like that. But, like, if you were Canadian, you were probably just sitting there thinking, like, how am I going to watch the show? It's Monday. <laughs> like, like, I... Well, our friends live in Canada. I wonder yeah. what they were thinking. Yeah. Or yeah. if they even were aware of AEW enough to. If they, it wasn't getting any marketing, that the AEW show was starting. Yeah, shout out to friends of the pod, Amanda and Lucas. And, uh, yeah, so TSN finally, uh, you know, made a deal with them. And it's going to air live every every week. So that's great. And uh, so this is the first time since 2006 that TSN is going to have uh, wrestling on it. Because they, they dropped WWE programming in 06 and haven't had anything on there since. I wonder how... Um... People up there think about the naming Dynamite when TSN mm-hmm. isn't TNT. There's no correlation there. They probably know about Tony Khan's Fantasy Wrestling Federation from <laughs> the 80s. AEW had a countdown special on Tuesday night, the night before Dynamite. We watched that. Uh, that aired at 8 p.m. And uh, the big the big hook for that was uh, Chris Jericho was going to reel his mystery partners for the match against the Elite the following night. And Jenny and I did watch it. I, I enjoyed it. I thought they did a good job of storytelling and kind of giving a background of how AEW started. And, and starting with how All In was created and then kind of moving into creating AEW. So I thought that was really good background for potentially new fans. And um, also was just, I had heard a lot of that stuff, but I'd never seen it all like put together. With like video packages. Yeah. And there was a lot of... Um... There's a lot of being the elite footage in there that was kind of recontextualized. Yeah. I was shocked that the promo for this featured MJF between Adam Page and Jericho. I didn't think he was a big enough star because they only featured the Bucks, Cody, Kenny, Adam Page, MJF, and Jericho. Those were the only people in the in the promo preview. Well, who else would you focus fe- feature? I don't think you put MJF in there. Oh. I don't think he's big enough. He's not on par with those guys. I think he's working his way up to be with those guys. But I, I see what you're saying because as an original, he's not in that group. So it, it's like they picked someone who is in the larger like overall company. And from that stance, it kind of makes sense because MJF's whole thing is he's Cody's best friend. Yeah, but they didn't they didn't focus on that at all. Um, I felt like they put him in the preview and then didn't spend any time on him. Because it was really about like how they created All In and creating AEW. He's also like one of their top heels, so I wonder if that played a part. Because he's so good at talking and riling up the crowd. That... And he's somebody that they're clearly like super invested in. Because I mean, I, I would not be at all shocked if a year from now he's made of any pay-per-views. Yeah. They also showed in that in that video package um, my favorite thing that I've seen backstage at an AEW pay-per-view or promotion. The Jericho promo after his win where of he, the title, where he was like going around and just saying all this stuff and being like, oh, you stupid hair, and like just making fun of the people as he was walking by them. You giant idiot. Yeah, it was, it was 
pretty funny actually. And which is where I think he's totally fine being as narcissistic and obnoxious as he is in real life, which he shouldn't be. But as character, it's actually very funny. It's just not funny when he does it in real life. Um, and he does the little, a little bit of the bubbly spiel. But that was Andre's. They tried to cover up the bottle. I can still tell a champagne bottle. It, and it's not a champagne bottle. It's piss water. But Jenny Google image searched uh, Andre and uh, was able to match up what they were showing of the bottle with the label of Andre. Because I knew it was Andre. So you did some real CSI work around this very important aspect of it. It was very important to me. Enhance. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was a good show. And it ended up doing 631,000 viewers, which came out Wednesday afternoon, a few hours before Dynamite aired. And at that point, I was thinking, like, oh, this is doing this is doing a million viewers. Like, I would have I would have bumped up my my guess to a million. I still would have been way under, but I knew it's that point. If the preview special did 631,000 viewers, 850 is way too low a guess for the actual first show. You should have gone out and bought my bottle of champagne. I well because you should have known I was winning at that point. I thought I thought Megan was winning mm. at that point. Like, all right, all right. <laughs> way you lose. Yeah. See, the New York Post uh, talked with uh, several members of the uh, Elite Wrestling team, including the general manager of uh, TNT, TBS, and True TV, a man named Brett Whites. Whites talked about the differences that viewers will see between AEW and WWE. He said, I'd say that the one across the street, which he said to refer to WWE, is a very mic-heavy league, and there are a lot of people grabbing mics and a lot of people talking trash in and out of the ring, and there's a lot less wrestling happening. AEW is from soup to nuts, from the moment you start watching to the night to the moment the night is over. It never stops. It never ever stops. It's really like watching an action movie. So that <laughs> I'm sorry. Calling it an action movie? That's a little ambitious. Yeah. Well, I just that's a little bit that's a little too far in the other direction for me. Like I would like a I like promos. I like good wrestling promos. I don't like people reading scripts for seven minutes, but I like people saying something in the way they would say it about their opponent or about a feud or about something. Like, trying to draw some real emotion out of the crowd, trying to, like, you know, you know what I mean? And, like, him saying that makes it feel like that's not, like, it it just seems, like, disconnected from what I know the, the VPs of that company want that show to be. They don't want it to be action from bell to bell. No, that's what pay per views are for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I don't think WWE's issue is that they don't have enough wrestling. I think it's that their writers are terrible and that their characters aren't delivering the terrible writing very well because it's terrible writing. And all of their wrestling. They do have a lot of wrestling on their shows, but it's all the same. Yeah, there's not a variety of styles. Yeah. Because, I mean, they bring Ricochet up, who has a very different style, and then they don't let him do as much stuff as he was doing in NXT. And maybe that's from a safety because, you know, he's doing four tours a week instead of just one every three weeks. But uh, Cody held a media call, and I listened to this, actually. And uh, it was just like it was a promotional thing for Dynamite, obviously. But he said uh, he has no animosity toward the NXT locker room. And he said the com- comments from Kenny that we talked about last week were more designed to be in character. He also said, and this is very interesting to me because it had never been made clear to me, he said that he is full legally clear to use the name Rhodes but he doesn't want to because he's gotten used to the American Nightmare Cody as a ring name and he thinks that he's kind of like that's become his brand and he's not really like he says he'll use the Rhodes name at times but like as a wrestling character he's Cody Hmm. like Cher Hmm. yeah 
he says WWE is not holding the name hostage. He can use it whenever he wants if he chooses to. They probably would like if he started incorporating it because then <laughs> the SEO around it would lead to WWE more than it would to AEW at this point. That's mm-hmm. true. So I guess when he complained about not being able to use his own last name on uh, being the elite, he was just playing. No, I think there was a time when he couldn't because Brandy talked to, was it, it was Jericho, I think, and she said that because Cody couldn't use Rhodes as his, in his name, that they, she could, so they structured it so that they always said Cody and Brandy Rhodes, so they weren't breaking any sort of law or contract thing, but people still knew, mm-hmm. you know? So maybe he's past that time where he can start using it again? Or they just, like, figured it out between the two sides somewhere mm-hmm. along the way. Decider interviewed uh, AEW Chief Brand Officer Brandy Rhodes, and she said that AEW is building towards a potential female tag team division. So we're building to a potential female tag team division. I think Tony spoke about it recently, that this is something that he's wanting to do, and of course we're extremely all on board. We do have a little bit more of an uphill battle as far as when it comes to the women. There aren't as many fixtures in the division that people do, that people know well. There aren't many Cody's or Moxley's or Chris Jericho's. So a lot of these women we are building from the ground up here. First time on television for many of them. So I think that it's important that we establish everything that we can with these women first before throwing too many different title opportunities out there. Their division is not deep enough for a tag team women's t- It's title. a bit of a cart before the horse situation. Mm-hmm. Because what do you, who are you going to build tag teams out of if you're still trying to build up? Your stars. Yeah. They don't even have enough single promoters to have more than one match, on more than one competitive match, I'll say, on a pay-per-view. I know that they've had two women's matches, but historically in those pay-per-views, one of those women's matches was not great. Yes. Please focus on building stars first, because their division is so shallow, too, if you start busting it up into doubles versus like in singles like you're going to run out of people yeah yeah i think for the time being like there's not enough depth for a real division at this point and uh one last note before we get to dynamite because this happened on wednesday afternoon nick jackson was interviewed by the new york post and the subject of cm punk came up possibly coming to AEW, and nick at that point said that he thinks the ship has sailed on that one Mm. which kind of ties in where uh, it looks like CM Punk is probably going to take an offer from Fox Sports to be an anchor on that WWE backstage show. Wow. I thought he for sure had. Is it still up in the air? I think he has, but I think it just hasn't been reported yet, like, definitively. Mm-hmm. But I think he's I think he's going to do it. From what we heard earlier this summer about AEW and Punk's discussions... It felt very unprofessional. It felt like it was just some, like, calls and no formal offer. Like, Tony Khan never went and, like, sat down with him and extended him a formal... At least from the interviews that we read with him, it was very much, like, informal talks between Cody or the Bucks, like, on the phone or via text, and nothing in person. Nothing business-like. So Ariel Hawani asked Chris Jericho about that. And Jericho's response was, he says, I don't know exactly what happened, but Punk punk likes to play the martyr, is what he said, mm. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um. And I would take both sides with a grain of salt, though, because I could also see, like, obviously Jericho's not going to say anything bad about his company. Obviously, Punk 
is a bit curmudgeonly in general in life. <laughs> I can totally believe he didn't make it super easy. But I also think that part of the business process probably is feeling out what he wants anyway and, and not wasting time if the answer is going to be no right at the beginning. So, like, there, I'm sure they're acquaintances in the, from in the locker room. I don't know if you, you'd call them friends, but I can see them trying to feel it out through texts or calls before they're like, hey, come in, talk to, talk to TK. Yeah. You know? and, and if Punk didn't want to move beyond that stage, then... He just didn't, you know. Like if he if he wanted to make this happen, I feel like he has the power to be like, I want to talk to Tony Khan, I want to make this serious. And if he didn't, then maybe he really didn't care. I think you're right. I I also think like it feels like especially the Bucks are very informal people, and so if they had a relationship with Punk beforehand, that they're never gonna make it business like because they are so informal. Like they're not. They're not business executives yet. I know they are now, but they haven't had time in the business world to learn how some of that works. Well, yeah, I mean, in working with your friends, I've worked with my friends. The business part always comes at the end once it's like, yeah, we're both signing on to this. Okay, now let's let's put into contract the specifics so that neither one of us screws the other over. But, like, if you're just feeling somebody out, it's so weird to approach your friend and be like, hey, you have to talk to, like... Jessica in human resources so that we can set up this time for you to come in or, like that's just not how it would work and I bet Punk would be like no thanks I'm mm. not into that process at all and if he wants people to chase him and they didn't want to play that game then he loses out because they're just like okay I guess you're not interested yeah it's not that difficult if these two sides wanted to make it happen they would have made it happen all right Megan uh why don't we get into dynamite talk all right let's run through it We'll just go through each match and, and give our thoughts. Nothing too uh, too crazy here. But it was a, a good first show, and it opened with Cody facing Sammy Guevara. And that is, this is the match that Cody talked about, where if he lost, he thinks Sammy should get a shot at the title instead of him. Luckily, he did not lose. <laughs> <laughs> he pinned Sammy, and you know, he will keep his title shot intact. So after the match, Tony Schiavone came out to the ring to interview Cody, and Sammy came back, and he gave him a little push, and Cody looked like he was ready for a fight, but Sammy extended his hand in a, an apparent sportsmanship move, and it was really just a distraction so that Chris Jericho could run out and beat up Cody. And then this, uh, this beatdown lasted longer than I would have expected. There was a commercial break. <laughs> And it was still going. So it was interesting because you watched it on TNT.com where they just they didn't do any of the picture-in-picture stuff. They just cut commercials completely out, right? Yeah, so it went to black and then it came back and and clearly they were further along in the beatdown than when it cut out. So we were seeing the beatdown happening in the ring as like in a, in a little box with no sound as the commercials was you know were playing. In For the, like three minutes. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a long, long beatdown. It was... Poorly timed. I understand that they... We appreciated that they didn't take a commercial break during the match, but they they caused that beatdown to be so long because they did a picture-in-picture commercial break, which lasted like three minutes or so. Yeah, even not seeing them commercial, I thought, oh, wow. They went to... I'm assuming a commercial break is at least a minute or two, and they've gone to a commercial, and they're still fighting. Because... It kind of looked to me like your standard, okay, this is an end of the match beatdown. Mm-hmm. It gets broken up pretty quickly. 
by the time you come back from commercial, we've moved on to the next thing. So it was a little awkward being like, oh, this is still a thing that's happening. Yeah. So. I really liked the match quite a bit. I thought, I thought it was, honestly, when they announced that this was going to be the first ever match on Dynamite, I thought it was a little bit risky because Cody's, um, Cody's style isn't like super eye-catching. It's more like kind of like telling good stories type of pro wrestling, which I appreciate. But like he's he's been able to do that in matches with his brother and Sean Spears, who he had like a big blood feud with, and. This Sammy match was kind of coming in cold. There wasn't really, there wasn't any history between the two, so I was kind of worried. But you know, I think he stepped it up athletically, and Sammy obviously is an insane athlete and is able to do really incredible gymnastic things. And I thought that those guys really went out and tore it up. I was really impressed with um, Sammy wrestling as well. I I don't think I've seen him wrestle before, or maybe on like one match. We saw him against Kip Sabian on their. I think it was all in. Like, it was one of the first pay-per-views, and we didn't know who either of them were. But I was thinking the same thing of, I don't think I disliked him during that match, but didn't have enough background on him. Seeing him here, I was genuinely impressed, and he did way better than I expected. I didn't expect him to do bad by any means, but he was way more versatile than I gave him credit for, I think. Yeah, I think he's got some, some talent. Um, he did that weird tongue thing that, um... He Miley cyrus Well, no, like, uh... He Tainara Conchied. Yes. <laughs> and I was just like, no, dude, like, you don't need to do that shit. <laughs> like, um, so I thought that was a little, like, come on. I, yeah, I did think, though, I guess I was surprised at how much of a heel he was just starting out. Because when he first came out, the when Cody did his entrance, the crowd was very loud. It was so noticeable that they were hyped up, they were ready to go. When Sammy came out, they were yelling, but not as loud, and only some people were kind of yelling negatively at him, Mm -hmm. and I didn't realize how much of a heel he had gotten himself over as, because on BTE, obviously, there's a joke, and I hate that guy, but people hated that guy. (laughs) Like I could not believe the level of hate he had achieved by the end of it. People were calling him an asshole, and really cheering against him which is perfect for him as a heel I just couldn't believe he had made it to that level of heel yeah good for him I was surprised by that too it may have been the teeth on the panda head (laughs) the teeth that are so unnecessary (laughs) I bet if he becomes a face he'll take the teeth off okay (laughs) I guess we'll see when that day happens can we talk about how goddamn gorgeous Brandy looked my first note my first note is, damn, Brandy. <laughs> Brandy looked amazing. That's what I have written down. Whew, I love her. I think she is so sweet. I think she's smart. I think she's such a great character. And I think she's one of the most beautiful women in the world. Yeah. Yeah, Cody. Good job, Cody. Lucky man. He's a lucky man. I think he knows it. Yeah, he should. And that's good. That's why their relationship is so cute. I was a little shocked when Jericho came out. So I knew that something like that was going to happen because um, of the push from Sammy and then like the he tried to shake his hand. He was taking a little too long kind of mm-hmm. pulling him back as he did it. It was awkward. And the camera was, was a happen. little the camera was a little too tight. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, but did you see uh, Jericho almost like kiss assault the ref? He yes. got in her face like so close to her lips. I 
was like, Jericho, no, like, this is not what this, this is This is not the direction your company wants you to go. <laughs> exactly. I, I really like that woman ref. She's so much better than the NXT woman ref. Aubrey Edwards. She's great. And the announced team made a point to say she's one of the most, the like, favorite, I guess, I through, like, fans polling. I don't know how they determine it, but they, they said she's a favorite out of the whole ref team, which is great. Because their ref team has some established people. Yeah. So, good for her. And I think she's really good. She's really good, and she doesn't make it about herself. But <laughs> she's, like, there and and in the mix of it, but not about herself. They've got, they've got Aubrey Edwards and Bryce Remsburg, so I feel like that's, that's, that's my favorite refing crew in the world right now. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Rick Knox, not my favorite ref, but we'll get into that when we talk about the main event. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure it's not his fault. He's not calling this stuff as a shoot. Okay, so the next match up was Brandon Cutler versus MJF, and... Cutler ended up tapping out to MJF's salt of the earth hold. So Fujiwara armbar, I believe. I will trust you. I'm so bad at moves. Matt Riddle style. Oh yeah, it did. Yeah, I see that now. I see the similarity. What did you guys think of this match, Jenny? You were making the face of someone who was not happy with it. I, I don't know. I feel like they made too much about Brandon Cutler being like the young bucks' best friend. That's clearly not true. The Young Bucks are best friends with each other. Is that, am I in the wrong match? No, I no. think your opinion is maybe not popular. Go ahead. And I don't know. I also am not. I'm not sold on MJF yet. I don't. I don't think he's as talented as other people think he is. We need to show Jenny the being the elite where they give Brandon Cutler the contract. Clearly. Oh, you're not up to date, are you? I stopped watching after a little while. Okay, that makes what you just said much more understandable. Because... He's been all over that show the last few months. They are very good Brandon Cutler. They are very good friends. He films, like, everything. Mm -hmm. He's their camera guy now. And also does segments. But Cutler is so sympathetic, too. Because, as Andy said, there's there's an episode of Being the Elite where he gets presented with a contract. They surprise him with a contract. And he calls his wife and cries because basically like now he doesn't have to keep working indie shows and making minimal cash like like he's getting a commitment to have like income for his family oh that's really sweet and it's really emotional and sweet i'm sorry <laughs> but also and he we goes, know he the goes, bucks are best friends with each other okay that's right? fine we can but, all agree that's fine but he also a, goes like way back to the backyard days with them no i i they did show some of that okay. on i think maybe the promo night um, so I, I do get that. I just, I don't like it when people use like best friend casually. Well, what if you thought of it as the Young Bucks as a unit, a brother unit are best friends with him? The unit could be best friends with him. I think that's how it Individually, is. Individually, they cannot because they're clearly best friends with each other. Yes, your headcanon is that they can only be best friends I, with each other. I swear to God, I thought she was going to say, the unit can be best friends with him, but they are best friends with Kenny. Oh, no, that's true, though. That's so true, because they are best friends with Kenny. He tossed a grenade into this. <laughs> now, I will say, they might be longer friends with Brandon Cutler, but the true, deep, emotional connection is with Kenny. That's true. All right. So, I'm sorry. That's okay. Brandon Cutler, I love him. I loved his D&D shirt. I think he's just emotionally, like, very easy to connect with, because he has, like... 
if you watch Being the Elite, he's amazing. Did you see all, did you see all the dice on his trunks? Yes. <laughs> I love it. He's such a nerd. Which And it's perfect because of the MJF tweet that was like, I don't play D&D. So mm. it's good synergy there. And the Joe Manginello response tweet of I do. Mm-hmm. Like with his muscle and fitness cover. MJF, yeah, <laughs> tweeted a photo of him basically like flexing, and he's like, at, like at the gym. He's, it said, "I don't play D and D," and then it, it blew up. Yeah, like, yeah, and and I think people thought it was like a shot at like nerds in general, but it was really just like at Brandon Cutler. It was a pro wrestling promo at Brandon Cutler. Yeah, I've heard on podcasts outside of wrestling and video gaming, people like, being mad, people being like, "Some rando dude," <laughs> and I'm like, "No, he's not." A rando dude. He's a. I'm sure if he looked at his Twitter bio, you would know he's a wrestler. <laughs> In which case, this is clearly a wrestler being a wrestler. And then Joe Manganiello, D and D and wrestling fan, responded with a his cover of Muscle and Fitness, where he's like, "I do," and it's just him ripped as hell. <laughs> yeah, good for him. It was good. It was very good. Good for Sofia Vergara. Mm-hmm. Oh, was he with her? Yeah. And this is also, I think, why... Good for both Good of for them. him, too. <laughs> Maybe, let's be honest. Beautiful babies. Yeah, yeah. As far as your comments about MJF go, I think you also should... If you catch up on being the elite, maybe you would not like him. So, I actually... He's one of the reasons why I stopped watching being the elite. I felt like being the elite had gotten so far away from, like, its origins. And I found MJF to be obnoxious. Uh, this match didn't really do anything for me. I mean, I, I mean, I, I understand the intent was just to get MJF over, but I was kind of hoping for Brandon Cutler to get a little more than he did, because he has been such—he's been such a great sympathetic character on Being the Elite. Yeah, I—I I did think it was nice to actually see him wrestle because the only way I know of him is as being a cast member on Being the Elite. I don't think they've yeah. ever shown a match with him, so. This is literally the first time I've seen him. Travel. He was he was in the Casino Battle Royal at Double or Nothing, but, I mean, that was such a cluster, you know? How could you remember pretty much anything in that match? Yeah. I, yeah. Think, I, I think I remember Luchasaurus getting over in that match, and that's really about it. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't uh, his shining opportunity to... No. And in this match, like, all he really got was, like, he got one dive and, like, a little bit of, like, ground and pound on the floor outside, and then, you know... They, they got back in and, and went to the finish, pretty much. I felt really bad for him when he slipped off the top rope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You but know what, though? They, they kind of covered for that. I thought, I applauded his improvisation where he was like, oh, I tweaked my knee, now mm-hmm. I'm going down. And it's yeah. like, hey, you didn't panic. I've seen WWE guys completely lose their their pace and track of the match when something goes wrong and not know how to recover. Good for him for being like, I'm going to improvise and we're going to get through this. And then they ended it right away. Yeah, I think he covered pretty well for that. People um, were people were worried about him afterwards because they thought he actually hurt his knee, but I heard he was totally fine, and that was just, like you said, yeah, just improv. He had just slipped. You could tell that he had just slipped. Yeah. But he did a good job of selling it. Um, but I overall, I thought the match was blah. I actually don't have any notes from this match. Mm-hmm. It was an MJF showcase, and a lot of MJF is at the beginning when he's walking down the ramp talking shit. And that's perfectly fine, because that is his talent. As an interstitial, we get a crowd shot of Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, and then, unlike WWE, they get interviewed. Like, they are there for a purpose. Mm -hmm. So, the intended purpose is said to be that their new movie, Jay and Silent Bob, is Mm -hmm. coming out, so they're there to promote it, but 
before they can get any information out about it, Jack Evans and Angelico roll over and start to talk smack to them. And I love how Jason Mewes was just so quick to point out that these two had never won a match. So... (laughs) So they got their shots in. Um, also, Jack Evans and Jason Mewes are in some ways indistinguishable from one another. It was good Jack Evans had his hair pulled back. Yeah. I, I was shocked that he talked, because he's not supposed to, right? No, Jack Kevin Evans? Smith is Silent Bob. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah, that was director Kevin Smith, not Silent Bob Kevin Smith. Oh, okay. And Chasing Amy he has a whole monologue where he explains basically the title of the movie. Oh. Yeah. Um, Megan, did you notice how attractive that male interviewer was Chris Van Vliet he is a good looking man I don't know if I registered it because there was so much else going on but I will go back and look I, my note says very attractive male announcer Jay and Bob <laughs> <laughs> Jenny keying in on the important <laughs> things here I love it uh, I will keep an eye out because their announced team I will say I haven't paid that much attention to them thus far yeah uh, but I noticed that guy Okay. He he was... I thought he was very nice looking. Okay. I'll check it out. Uh, to close out this part of this little segment, though, Private Party did come through the crowd, but they didn't cause any, like, fighting to break out. They just kind of stood next to Jason Mewes and, and Kevin Smith as if they would be there if something went down, but Angelico and Jack Evans took off. Yeah. They didn't want to start anything. It was so. like they were afraid of them. I love Private Party. They're very fun. Yeah. I really liked their little video segment on the last BTE. <laughs> Andy's showing Megan a picture of the very attractive male announcer, and she has covered her mouth. She is swooning. That is a damn good picture. He Whoa. needs to not have a shirt on when he's announcing. Yeah, why does he wear clothes? <laughs> you know, standards. Like, that is an attractive man. Oh my god. Yeah. I thought you would notice. Obviously, he wasn't shirtless, so you couldn't see the abs, but. Yeah. <sighs> good lord. You'll notice him next time. Keep an eye out. And now we're just looking at this, this man. He has a jawline. My God. Mm-hmm. All right. He Cut is glass that thing. He is like a classic, handsome, handsome man. You're gonna cut all of this out, right? No, he's not. <laughs> you gotta keep some of it. Some of it. <laughs> not all of it. No. I like a chiseled jaw. Well, you know, you married the right guy. <laughs> With that image in my brain. So no notes for me on the. <laughs> Brandon Cutler and Jeff, but I definitely make sure to make a note of that announcement. Lots of notes on Chris Van Vliet. <laughs> Did you see Chris Van Vliet? The reason, so yeah, beyond just Kevin Smith and Jane Hughes being there to promote the movie, they're specifically promoting it on AEW because Chris Jericho is in the movie. Oh, oh yeah. 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 I liked that the interview, because I hate it when you see the famous people on um, WWE. And they just kind of wave. And they just wave, or like they keep the camera on them. It's like, send someone over and have a second with them. Mm-hmm. It lit, and the camera always lingers mm-hmm. way too long to the point of awkwardness where they're like, are you off me? Yeah, <laughs> please get the camera. Okay, I'll just keep smiling awkwardly. It's like the clenched jaw smile. And Kevin Smith is so great in situations like that because he's, he's just so personable and he, you know, he, he talks for a living now, especially with mm-hmm. like, so... That is a consideration. Like, some celebrities in the crowd maybe don't have that much to say, but this this was good. After we talk to Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, we do get um, a notification that the AEW World Tag Team Championship Tournament will start next week, and they showed the brackets again. Um, I cannot remember the specifics of them, 
But next week's match is... Next week's match is Young Bucks versus Private Party. Okay. Yeah. That'll be a fun match. I'm really looking forward to that. That should be pretty awesome, yeah. Who do you guys think will win that? I think the Bucks have to win. So, like, I've gone on the record elsewhere, and I guess I'll do it here too, that I am picking Private Party in an upset in this match. Wow. Yeah. I picked the Bucks too, so you're out on your own on that one. I think you do Private Party later. I don't think you do it as the first tag team bracket. It's funny because I was think I've been thinking about this and I was talking to uh, a friend of mine about this the other day and he said that cuz he said he thinks the young bucks are going to win the whole thing and be the first tag team champions and I said no way that's like crazy. But he said you are in too much of a bubble where you are consuming everything these guys are putting out and you have been for years and most of the country is discovering these people. Most of the viewership is discovering these people for the first time and they are not these like guys who have been on top of the tag team world for years to them, to this mm-hmm. casual viewer, they are like these new exciting act that they've never seen before, and they're the best team in the company, and they should be the champions. I agree with that. I think I always get hung up on no matter how much they are the best team in the company, that that mentality that they have where they're they've said before, like this company is not a place for us just to put ourselves over. So I always wonder if they'll overcorrect by not mm-hmm. booking themselves in a favorable favorable way, even though by the same account they brought in Jericho and they're giving him like he he is the talent coming in and they're acknowledging that and giving him stuff, but they're like downplaying their own goodness because they are leading the company and don't want to appear to be favorite like favoritism, which makes total sense, but I think there's like a balance in there and I can't do my own head math to figure out which way they're going to go. I worry about that too because unlike Jericho they, the Bucks are humble and to a fault maybe? to a fault. I, I do worry a little bit about that. I feel like they should not have put Private Party against the Bucks in the first round. Aren't they both faces? Mm-hmm. I think that they should have put another team against the Bucks in the first round so you let Private Party who I think is an excellent tag team win in the first round of their competition. Switch out Private Party in the Dark Order so that the Bucks can beat up the Dark Order and nobody cares. Exactly. <laughs> and then Private Party just gets to move on to the semifinals. Be the first Dark Order match to get any kind of reaction. Yeah, Dark Order is <laughs> terrible. And they're the ones who made it to the second round. Yeah, yeah they have they the bye. That's disgusting. Because the Dark Order is disgusting. That might be a little strong. <laughs> it's kind of a weird criticism. But <laughs> it, they seem so amateur. They're their gear is just god awful. I can't argue with that. And they're oh, they're just not good. They're slow. They don't I, have a lot of moves. I think they're good and they have lots of moves. So, but I think that they have terrible characters and that Evil Uno has the worst look in the company. And that's the stuff and that's top. stuff that you can improve on. Yeah, the, they can take them away and bring them back rebranded. Yeah. I don't think the I don't think the problem is their wrestling ability. I thought all. they were really slow. The match I saw them in, really, okay. to win that by. Oh, the one with the best friends. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the best match, but I think that was also because the crowd was just like, the crowd. The crowd is, I think, made up their mind about the Dark Order, and AEW has not kind of caught up with that mm. yet. They haven't pivoted yet. Yeah. I'm sure they're aware though. I mean, the way the way that they sold on BT the librarians and how they they completely acknowledge that they are not getting the correct type of attention that they want makes me think that 
they do have a good eyes open view of their company. When, they will make changes where needed. When, <laughs> I think that they have a they're self aware. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're just looking for they're self aware and they're good at what they do, so they have to find a way to do it naturally. It'd be weird to just yank them out and just be like, mm-hmm. This team never existed. We're only like less than a year old, but this team never existed. You won't remember it, surely. And then switch them out. I bet they'll do it in a way that makes sense. I think they could evolve the characters. I mean, the the costuming is so simple to fix. Yeah. Tell that to but, a Helico. Like, <laughs> right? Take your shirt off. That's what I'm telling you in Helico. Take your shirt off. We want to see your abs. Even if we were just frustrated by not seeing your abs, functionally speaking, your outfit is terrible. Yeah. Yes, that lime and black. Oh God, it's he looks like he looks like BMX Kane. Yeah, and that yeah. is two bad looks. The way that the brackets are set up, though, I think there is a really excellent opportunity for them to pivot on the Dark Order because best friends in SCU is a first round match, and the winner of that match will take on the Dark Order in the semifinals. That would be a great time for. I think the best friends to finally get their revenge and and victory over the Dark Order, and now they have Orange Cassidy in their corner and all that. I think this is the time to do it. I don't think people want to see Dark Order beat Chuck and Trent again. Oh, yeah. okay. And yeah, and and that's the thing too. Like, so if SCU wins, there's no way the, against best friends. Well, no, I'd be worried that they would because that that match hasn't been done yet. That'd be so bad, though, because... Megan, I'm real scared that the Dark Order is going to be the first tag team champions. No! That would be a super weird decision. I'm not saying they... It's, it's obviously there is a world where that happens. There is a, the worst timeline. But I just cannot picture it. And I also... I picked the best friends over SEU because I think that, like you said, it sets them up to do that rematch and to win. And for people to be happy about it. Um, but even if SCU won, SCU is too established and too good to lose to a team like the Dark Order. Are they too established and too good to lose to a team like the Best Friends? I like the Best Friends. I'm just asking the question. No, because you can make that work. The Dark Order, you would need some shenanigans to make the crowd accept that. The Best Friends at least have crowd buy-in. If... If they win, I think the crowd's going to love that match no matter who comes out of it as yeah, the winner. Totally. Yeah, totally. The best friends are fun to watch. I just want to see that six-man tag with Orange Cassidy as part of the as part of the match, too. Oh, is he going to be part of it? No, no. Because oh, like, okay. it's, it's going to be... Because I, we haven't gotten there yet, but they made it clear that it's Daniels and Kazarian in the yeah. tournament. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So then we've got the other, the other part of the left side of the bracket is Lucha Brothers versus Jurassic Express. And... I just, I so don't think that, I don't think there's any way that they're gonna do another Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match in this tournament, because mm. we've seen we've seen three of them so far in we this have. company's history. I think they've closed the loop on it, like they, it's complete now, right? Like because the Lucha Brothers won twice. That and they they got the titles back and like they fake titles, not fake. On AEW titles, not fake. I'm sorry, yeah. non-company specific titles, but it, they closed the loop on it. So yeah, like why would why would you do that match again? Because yeah, because they did the they did they did the tag at Double or Nothing, they did the six man at Fighter Fest, and then they did the Escalera de la Muerte at All Out, and 
as great as as much as I loved all those matches, it was just like okay, we've seen enough of Lucha Brothers and Young Bucks for probably a long time. And when they when I saw the bracket and that they were both on the same side, I thought, oh, one of these teams is obviously losing in the first round. So if the Bucks win, we know Jurassic Express is going to win. I think so. Yeah. I think Jurassic Express has uh, momentum behind them too. Like the crowd would be very happy to see them win. I love them. Love them. I I am so behind them. And if the Bucks win and Jurassic Express wins, it's another one of those matches where like even if you have a favorite, anyone wins that match is gonna be it's gonna be a good match and people are gonna be happy. It's, it's like a champagne bet. Everyone wins. Exactly. The fact the fact that the fact that in their opening video there is a glass of water that shakes <laughs> is like one of my favorite things in wrestling this entire year. They're very good at their <laughs> production. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. After we get that info all that info about the tag team tournament though, uh, Tony Schiavone Tony Schiavone comes out on stage with SCU and this is where we find out that that Daniel Kazarian and Chris Daniels are going to be the two tag team participants. Scorpio's totally cool with that, very happy about that. And then the Lucha Brothers come out during this segment and kind of start a little brawl with SCU. So they're they're getting the beef going. Mm. I don't know if that's a foreshadow to tag team tournament potential outcomes, but they're all in that tournament. So the next match was Adam Page facing Pack, and this is a payoff to something that was promised earlier but didn't happen. And then this time around, Pack beat Adam Page, and he was kind of a bastard about it. <laughs> He got him in a hold, and he refuses to release it well after the ref tells him to. These two put on a very good match, and I think that they are going to be the ones that convince Tony Khan to invest in heavier barricades, because they Mm. sure slammed each other, and it really looked dangerous for that first row. Do you sign a release? I've never been to a wrestling show. You do not sign a release. You do not sign a release. Okay. You're part of the action if you, you get slammed should. by a barricade. Do they have signs up, say, like at like a dolphin show, where they have signs up that you might get splashed? Do you you're have at, signs up the splash zone, everyone? You might get wrestler on you. Uh, no. You might get like a 250 pan- pound man like thrown on you? No, I think that's just the understanding going in. I mean, the people who were there, they definitely looked surprised, but not, not like they weren't expecting it. And they, they reacted appropriately, but... Those barricades did move in a way that uh, maybe like ROH ones do, which is to say, mm. cheaper. Mm. And they have a high production value. You can invest in some heavy barricades. They do. I was a little surprised. And I feel like at one point the ref communicated. He must have gotten the signal, but he was like, stop doing that, boys. So this was a really good match, though. And I am happy that they finally got to get these two together. Pack did... Uh, cheat. He got the low blow in on Adam Page and that led to him using the black arrow too, and then the brutalizer to get him to tap out. I like the brutalizer. Did you know, so that was kind of, that that was the second time because uh, MJF also set up his submission victory with a low blow. Yeah, I would say you expect it from him, but I guess you expect it from Pac too. I saw it was strange on like a you know, what, a four or five match show, you have two finishes that are pretty much exactly the same. I wonder if MJF's was part of the 
improvising too, just because of how the cutler thing happened. If oh, it was yeah. a quick way to get him on the ground and just like we're we're good. Perhaps, yeah. If you improvise a knee tweak, you can't suddenly start jumping around. Yeah, that's true, and I mean, it's the most real way to get a man on their knees. Bullet uh, to the knee also helps. <laughs> He'll live. He'll live. I love Adam Page. I, I truly believe, and I know I've made this reference before, that God gave with both hands. And by that, I mean Adam Page is brilliant, he's smart, he skipped so many grades. I think he graduated from college at like 16, maybe 18. He's really smart. And he's going to fact check me. But he's Fake a news. very... I mean, I know, he, I know he graduated early from Virginia Tech, but... Like significantly early. Yeah. So he's brilliant. He's a nice man. You see him on Being on the Elite. And like, even though he's doing dick jokes, like, he's being funny about it. He's not being aggressive about it. And he even was like, guys, my family watches this. Can we do things other than dick jokes? I would argue he and Joey Ryan are two of the nicest people on Being the Elite. And they both do heavy dick jokes. Yeah. And that's okay. You can be nice and make dick jokes. He's such a nice guy. And he's funny. And he's smart. And he is beautiful. Jenny, your husband's in the room. (laughs) I'm used to it. He's been putting up with this for as long as Adam Page has been in your sight. <laughs> Just to say months. Maybe years. I don't know if it's, it's gone. Been, it's been over a year now. It's been over I'm a year. sorry. It's been before All In. I, I too truly believe that God gave with both hands with oh, Adam Page. put it on a shirt. We know. I, you know, if we ever do merch, I will. You should tell him to put it on a shirt so that he'll benefit from the person. If he ever turns heel. That would be a good... Uh... God gave with both hands. Also, we know he's a woke king because uh, <laughs> with the uh, Full Gear storyline, he he uh, he ended up uh, donating to, like I think it was like Body Image. Yeah. That kind of, like, was one of the sweetest charities. things I've yeah. ever heard. Like, yeah. good for him. He's a good boy. I didn't say he wasn't. He's a good, beautiful boy. Yep. He is. Unfortunately, Nice Eyes finished last and Pac dick kicked him and then beat him. Pac, nice. Pac, definitively not a nice guy. Nope, and he won. Jenny, I know this match uh, you're going to have some feelings about. The Nyla Rose versus Riho match for the first ever women's championship. Nyla, I think, was favored by all of us. But in kind of what I would consider a surprise, Riho got the pin, and she is officially the first AEW women's champ. Big upset, I think. I think so. I think... Rio is the most talented wrestler on the AEW roster. I don't think Nyla Rose is nearly as talented of a wrestler as Riho, but I think we all thought that AEW was going to go with the with the better story. And I think we also thought that Riho having the story of chasing the title would be a better story. But I I was really happy with the outcome. I think Riho is adorable. I think she's talented. I think her um, relationship with Kenny is wonderful, and I cannot wait to see a tag team match with her and Kenny against some opponent. Happens next month, I believe. <sighs> wonderful. Yeah. I love it. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I will say that Nyla needs to have more experience. Because at the end, she tried to... She almost power. She almost killed Michael Nakazawa on the powerbomb attempt. Yes. Because she's she's just not there yet from a 
pure technical standpoint. technical standpoint that she almost hurt them trying to do a fake not a fake but a safe wrestling move she can't do them safely yet so I think she just needs some more time and experience to learn how to wrestle more safely yeah and to be fair they did mention this and it's been mentioned before Riho has 11 years of experience Mm -hmm. I think or maybe even 13 she started when she was 9 she's currently 22 so 13 yeah so Riho was coming into this the uh one of the most experienced people on the roster yeah at 22 years old (laughs) and Nyla definitely needs to get more time in but the disparity is even more apparent because of she's facing like a super experienced person Mm -hmm. and uh as you said Michael Nakazawa showed up at the end to interview Riho for the Japanese fans and then Nyla went full heel powerbombed him and she went after Riho but Kenny ran out for the save which was a touching little story element because they have been tag team partners in the past and it's very cute when Kenny shoved Nyla did you at all have a twinge of like oh are they gonna do Nyla versus Kenny at some point Mm -mm. never occurred to either of you no I was so surrounded by my warm hug of Kenny and Riho being such good friends and him coming out to protect his friend that I didn't get any of that I just got warm hug like a cup of hot chocolate They've never done anything to, like, indicate um, that they're looking towards intergender matches in the future. So I just got the impression it was, like, get out of here. Because he wasn't, he wasn't, like, going after her. He didn't, he pushed her away, but he didn't follow up with, like, now I'm going to beat you up for beating, trying to beat up my friend. Yeah. He just was, like, get out of here to defuse the situation. And then she took off and, and he comforted Riho. But I don't think that they're going to do intergender matches, right? I don't know. I mean... I don't know. I, I always feel okay about women getting, like, a hit on a man, but I'm never going to feel okay about a man hitting a woman. I think maybe network television is not necessarily the place you want to try to get that over. Because I just feel like that's truly happening in the world, and that's not something you need to showcase on television. That's not something you need to make okay for people to see and think that's okay. Well, yeah, and I thought Candice LeRae... Her interview with Lillian Garcia, she specifically said, I got really famous because on the indies I was doing gender matches, but I also understand, like, that's not for everybody, and there are some people where that's, like, a very scary situation, and you can't separate it, and I'm okay with that. Like, she was like, I did it, I got famous off it, and I would do it again, but also, like, I'm not going to fault anybody for not wanting to watch those matches. And I think that if all viewers are rational that it's fine to do that but i think we all know that there's a large population that's not a rational being and is a sometimes a child seeing that and can be influenced negatively by things like that Mm -hmm. so i mean i think that like we could watch a match like that and realize that that's not how you're supposed to actually treat women I worry that not everyone, especially children, can see that and not come to that same conclusion. I do also think there is like a distinction in style because uh, Lucha Underground did some intergender matches, and I thought there was definitely some times where they crossed the line. But like, if you're saying doing like the crazy acrobatics and like hurricane ranas and and that stuff where it's like more acrobatic. 
with like with like the rolling bumps and stuff like yeah, that. That's yeah, that's a lot more palatable than a guy just coming up and punching a girl in the face. Or like yeah. giving her like a hard power bomb or something. Yeah, yeah, like there is a difference and a different reason you're entertained in those two scenarios, I think. Next up, we have the main event, and that is the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega facing Chris Jericho and LAX, his mystery opponents. But we don't we don't exactly know what they're going to call these guys yet. They were just calling them Ortiz and Santana. Yeah. Yeah, but their impact name was LAX, and I guess as shorthand, we might as well just continue to call them that until we're told differently. It was easier for me. <laughs> On Twitter, their account is, I believe, proud and powerful, but for some reason I can't see that making it to national television. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have the same flow. Yeah. I like it. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Are they... They're not in a relationship. I think it's like... Latino. I would have liked it more Jenny that. wanted them to be I out wanted and proud. them to be like out and proud and together. I think, and it's, like... I think it's more like Latino pride. Oh, okay. Well, I, I can support that as well, but I also... I just, I'm just she wanted a couple. AEW to pioneer a gay couple. So in this match... We start out with three versus three, but it quickly goes to two versus two because John Moxley shows up. No, two versus three. Oh, you're right, two versus three. I was giving them too much fairness credit. Yeah. Um, John Moxley shows up and he takes Kenny out of this match by uh, pulling him backstage into a separate brawl. Into like a weird fake VIP area. <laughs> I fully believe that the people in that area were members of the crowd in some capacity because they looked confused. Yeah. Um, but Moxley takes Kenny out. So then when we go back to the ring for the main action, it's Matt and Nick versus Jericho and LAX. And I'm going to say due to this numbers disparity, unfortunately, Jericho gets the pin on Matt after he does the Judas effect and the, the Young Bucks lose. I really like the Judas effect. I was not sold on it at first, but I think it's a good move. Yeah, and I I do appreciate Jericho's logic in that anyone can take it. It's not limited. You're not limited by size. Like, you don't have to lift anyone up to do it. Anyone can take it, and it doesn't cause a lot of damage to their body taking that bump. You know, in the same way like a powerbomb or something would. So. He probably loves it. It probably wasn't fun to, like, even though the Codebreaker seems, like, fairly low impact compared to other things, like... It's still like a back bump that you have to take to do it to somebody, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it benefits all around for this move. Him giving it, it's really easy. Whoever has to take it doesn't probably doesn't hurt as much as anything else. I remember, like, hearing, I forget some, you know, anytime I hear a Hulk Hogan interview, you have to kind of parse through what is obviously bullshit and what is, like, believable. But... Sounds like a punk interview. <laughs> wow, okay, well... One thing that is, like, pretty consistent across the board in, like, most Hulk Hogan interviews I've heard over the past 15 years is, like, he always says if there's one thing he could change about his career, it would be, like, he would not have chosen the leg drop as a finisher. Because doing that, like, you know, back in the 80s when they really were wrestling, like, 250 nights a year, like, doing that over and over again, landing on his hip Mm. and and his ass, like, every single night... He said that that, like, screwed up his back and his hips so badly. And so I can imagine just, like, you know, I know that it's it's easy to get over when you do a spectacular moves, but, like, pick a finisher that you can do to anyone and is low impact well, on yourself. Think about Nikki Bella. Yeah. She can't wrestle anymore because of the rack attack. Yeah, yeah. And which is so sad. Yeah. Because I want to see her on my television more. 
Yeah, and it's just unfortunate because it does look cool, and people like things that look cool. It you just you don't really. I never thought before Jericho pointed it that out. I never thought of how much like if you're doing that finisher all the time, it really does hurt you, and potentially is hard to do for other people too. Like you you could still be hurting them as well, mm-hmm. not on purpose, but in as much as they have to get hurt as wrestlers. But yeah. Yeah. That it's it's good to have a repeatable finisher that doesn't suck for all involved <laughs> but still looks cool yeah i tell you what a few months from now after after total bellas uh, goes off the air this next season and and some wednesday night we hear tony shivani say what is nicole garcia doing in all elite wrestling <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i would she uh-huh. could and then she wouldn't need brie to be doing all the twin stuff she could take control of I know, but I think her neck really is hurt. Well. Because her surgeon... I know, I know. ...recommends against it. I just think yeah. it would be great. Oh, I would love it so much, guys. Or even if even if she got cleared enough to do, like, three wrestling matches a year. Mm-hmm. Like, that would be awesome. And honestly, like, it kind of seems like AEW is super open to that kind of thing. Like, like they've got Awesome Kong out there doing media. I don't think she's going to wrestle very often, you know? I mean... No, I mean, Nikki could do so much from, like, a media perspective and from mm-hmm. a character perspective without even taking bumps in the ring. Yeah. Yeah. She could she could manage a heel stable if she wanted to. Yeah. Mm. Or even a face stable. Or even a face stable. She's better at a heel, come on. She is better fun. at a heel. Everyone's better at a heel. It's more fun. <laughs> <clears throat> so after this match, um, things for me... For this show really broke down because we have we have the clean pin we get the win and then like Jericho and LAX just decide it's not enough so they have to start beating up the Bucks and then Cody runs out to save his friends and then Sammy Guevara runs out and goes after Cody and then Dustin Rhodes runs out to save his little bro and then all of a sudden we're just brawling all over the place and Somewhere along the line, Jack Hager? Jake Hager. Jake Hager, not Jack Swagger. Jake Hager bought a ticket to this show. Bell- in- Bellator heavyweight superstar. Yes, he's in the front row, and he jumps the barricade, and he gets in this fight because he is on Jericho's side. So now we have him. It's total chaos. It's total chaos. I like the stable. I like them in the sense that they're good heels because I don't really want to see them win. <laughs> I, I, I do wonder, like, how much wrestling Hager's going to actually do, because he is, like, trying to have a active mixed martial arts career right now. So, like, he's I think he's got to fight, like, either this month or next month. So Does he have, like, dual contracts? Is he allowed to appear in both places, I yeah, guess? Yeah, yeah. Like, Bobby Lashley was doing that for a while. He was in Bellator and Impact. So, it's a thing. Not right. Well, he was never my favorite in WWE, so no, I'm not no. super excited for his presence here. My, my biggest problem with this match was that, like, I it just defied all logic mm-hmm. that John Moxley grabbed Kenny Omega and took him away from the match and beat him up and put him through a table, and Rick Knox saw all of this. John Moxley put himself through that glass. Air quotation. Well, table. that's that's okay. Yes. Know what, Jenny, but no, I agree. Like, he, why didn't the match? Why he, didn't he the was stop keeping this? Kenny safe? Sure. Well, it was just like it would have been so easy to, to have 
No, no, no. I, I don't even think that. I think just, like, everybody else was outside the ring. Havrick knocks out there trying to restore order. Moxley comes in. He doesn't even see what happens. By the time he turns around, like, Omega's gone. He doesn't know what the hell happened. So, you know. He kidnaps or, Kenny. Or, or you do it before the match starts... Mm-hmm. And then, and then the Bucks are like, "We'll still, we'll still take this fight." Yeah, you know? yeah. <clears throat> like I just, I, I hated the way that they, that they skirted around the DQ because it didn't make any sense at all. And I know they've never done a DQ in the history of this promotion, but they've also never told us that there's no such thing as disqualification. There should be, especially yeah. especially if they're counting points for the wins and losses yeah. count. You have to have a DQ in the mix because otherwise people cheat. Yeah. Well, and not evenly that, that's how you're going to make wins and losses matter, but still have matches every week. Yeah. You're going to need that disqualification to you do that effectively. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I just hated that. I, I didn't like that. I also didn't like that JR doesn't know the difference between a mop and a broom. Because <laughs> he's never been in a fucking kitchen before. Wow. Or cleaned is his own the, goddamn house. Is that the only place they exist? They exist everywhere. Like, he's never had a job before where he had to, like, wash the floor. He hasn't. Or sweep the floor. He hasn't. He's never cleaned his own home before. He probably has. I doubt he has. The way he talks about women, he's never cleaned his own house. I wasn't listening because I thought it was just so amazing how Kenny picked up the mop and was like, he got that smug look on his face, and I'm like, oh, yes, this is going to be great. I I just thought that he said broom because... Kenny, as the cleaner, has a would broom. carry a broom sometimes. And J- I think he thinks that they're the same thing. And Jr. would used to call like when he was doing the show on Access with Josh Barnett, he would call Kenny Omega matches at that period of time. So he was familiar with that cleaner character. Speaking of which, we didn't talk about this, but wasn't it weird that like, like I, well, Jenny said like they probably just didn't want to like put a lot of effort in the week that their show is going on TNT, but, like, that Being the Elite was, like, three minutes long this week. Yeah. It was really short. I was surprised by that, but then watching the show, it was a really good setup to the cleaner. Yeah, yeah. My, my guess would be that Kenny kind of comes out all guns blazing at against Moxley at the pay-per-view as, as you know, kind of the cleaner. I'm worried this short Being the Elite is kind of the beginning of we don't know what to do with this and we can't put full time into this and the weekly show and it's going to go away. I'm not worried yet. If tomorrow's show isn't more substantial, I will worry because at least at least starting starting with tomorrow's episode, we'll be at a point where they are that all the talent is going to be in the same place every single week. And so you should be able to film lots of backstage stuff. Yeah, but you don't want to splinter your audience by building major story arc points on that show and not the television show, so I don't know that they're going to put a lot of effort into trying to to get gimmicks over and make make it like it usually is. Maybe it'll change, but I am going to be sad if all of a sudden there's not these like in-jokes and fun arcs because they have to save it for television, because understandably your core audience needs to know what's going into every story and match coming up and it would be weird if you had perceived plot holes because all that happened on being the elite and if you don't watch it you don't know what's happening i don't think being the elite is the platform to develop the wrestling arcs i think it is the platform to develop the personalities that are in your company 
I think it's a platform to show the real person behind the character. It's a platform to show the travel logs. It's a platform to show the shenanigans behind the scenes and in the locker rooms. It's a platform to show the families and interacting with your best friends. And like an and Easter egg kind of stuff. Stuff that like if you watch it and you watch Dynamite, it'll like it'll make that experience richer for you, but it's mm-hmm. not gonna rob just the cable viewer of like it's not gonna make it so it's indecipherable for the cable viewer to watch Dynamite without having seen being the elite. Because now you have the weekly Dynamite show to build all of your wrestling arcs, whereas up to this point, AEW has not had that. They've only had the Road Two series and being the elite. And so now you've got your weekly television show to really develop those storylines. So use that. And I think if you continue like the Road 2 series, it would almost be identical of things that you're seeing on AEW. It's probably the same video package, maybe a little bit longer. Mm. Like, for instance, Being the Elite is up to 398,000 subscribers for their channel on YouTube. And... Like, last week's episode, that little three-and-a-half-minute bit, uh, the cleaner episode of Being the Elite, has so far done 128,000 views. So we're talking about less than one-tenth of the audience that watched Dynamite on Wednesday night. You know? So it can't be what, it can't be exactly what it used to be. Yeah, you can't, like you said, Megan, you can't have plot holes because you didn't watch Being the Elite. Yeah. It can't be that. Yeah. But I think it should be. The platform to show the behind the scenes to show the person yeah i agree i do like this heel stable <laughs> i have to say i like all the other people in it yeah. yes i mean lax i'm still learning who they are they look good in the match yeah they they were good wrestlers so i'm sure once they're given the opportunity to maybe show more personality like on promos and stuff maybe i'll learn who they are but as of right now they're jericho's lackeys so Cool. You know who looked great in that match is Nick Jackson. Oh my god, his sequence, his hot tag, oh. it's like four moves straight, like right one after another. He is so incredible. Oh, he's wonderful. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes. I'm sad he's losing his hair. Sneaky athletic. He's very athletic. Sneaky athletic. Yeah, his dive, the, the dives he does are just like up there with anybody in the business. I think he's amazing. He's always been my favorite buck. <laughs> and I know that's not the popular opinion. I know people like Matt more. Well, Matt's Mario. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that was that, that was my biggest takeaway from like the actual wrestling of the match, aside from Rick Knox just being a bad referee. Um, which I'm sure again is not his fault because he doesn't he doesn't book the, the He's show. Towing the line. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Nick Jackson was Absolutely sensational. Also, Matt did those uh, like the the kind of the three in a row North Lake suplexes yes. and did a double one. He did a double suplex yeah. that yeah. looked really good. Kyle O'Reilly's the cartwheel ones are still my favorite, but you know. Kyle O'Reilly is an athletic freak too. And also, almost sounds like a Jenny Lewis band. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly. <laughs> yeah. So, do you guys want to talk about the show overall now that we've? discuss the matches yeah because it is the first of its kind mm-hmm. i'm gonna open with i really like the opening credits and the matching graphics of the rainbow colored verse i think they're really cool looking so and much color yeah it's very exciting it's like colorful and fun in a way that sports are not so i like that i so you know not to talk too much about nxt but 
I, you know, I did watch these two shows, you know, one right after another. And I've always liked the full sale aesthetic. I've always thought it like was pretty cool. But after watching that show, right after seeing AEW in a big sold out venue, with like all with a very colorful, because you know NXT does a thing where they lower the lights and everything, and it's like, and I, I thought that was a cool thing. But like seeing them back to back, it it did make it look kind of minor league. Mm-hmm. I, I just loved I loved the way the production looked on this on the Dynamite show. You could tell they had the money for the production and they used it well, maybe other than the barricades. We put all the money into pyro. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which I don't need pyro. I'm not a person that needs pyro. I think pyro's fun. I think it's fun. I I do think maybe moving forward they should invest in the WWE type barricades where it's a little more solid just because the crowd We get those like kinda like big coverings. Yeah, and they're yeah. like padded and so if guys hit them it, it's less damaging, I guess. But also they don't move. The crowd doesn't have to worry about getting slammed into how many Ring of Honor shows have we been to where you can just look at those, look at those like metal barriers all that they put them. in front, and they're just like you can just see the dents because they never replace them. They're just dented all to hell. I put my foot through one. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they slammed into it, and I put my feet out to defend myself, and my foot went between the bars of the metal part and kicked off the front covering, <laughs> and then they had to come fix it. <laughs> so I'm sorry, barricade fixers of ROH, but, like, that is a danger. (laughs) I'd say overall, I liked the show. I thought it was entertaining. I thought some of the matches were really good. I, I wish there was a bit more personal stuff on it. And maybe that will come with time. Maybe they were trying to really, like, push all of the wrestling stuff to the first show. Mm -hmm. But it does concern me when you read the article earlier about how we want it to be like an action movie where it's just 100% wrestling. Like, I want to see a little bit more personality and a little bit more, I don't know if it's promos or if it's behind-the-scenes stuff, but I want to get to know the people a little bit more, the characters a little bit more. They had the the one video package before the Cody-Sammy match that was just excellent at kind of... because I don't think anybody really at large knows who Sammy Guevara is, and I thought that did such a great job of introducing him and like what he's all about, and uh, and you know, and that was good because he became a very important person later in the show too. So, um, but that was the only package we got like that on the whole night. So, like they could have done some some little bit. I don't. Maybe they were running short on time. Maybe there was like some plans to use other packages because they had a very good Rio Nyla Rose package that they showed on the countdown special mm-hmm. that they didn't use on Dynamite. That I think would have been great. Yeah, maybe they're still working out time time management yeah. for their mm-hmm. show. What do you think overall, Megan? I thought overall very good. I thought NXT versus this because you have to um, the wrestling on NXT was better yeah Mm -hmm. um but i did like the like scrappy upstartness of this uh i didn't think the wrestling on this was bad per se i just thought nxt was better um nxt was trying to blow them out of the water in that regard well that and i do wonder if if this is us seeing like like if nxt were an indie promotion put on by an indie company would they be closer to what this is than they are now because the performance center aspect of it I think is a huge advantage because people come in already knowing how to wrestle when they post to indie guys you know but like what they learn there is more like camera work and production and I feel like maybe NXT has that slight edge where all of their performers practice promos 
have the performance center to learn where the hard camera is and how to perform to that, whereas all of the people in AEW have indie experience, but what if this is like their first time on television? Mm -hmm. And maybe they're not quite at the same level of TV show production, you know? So like maybe that's why NXT wrestling felt better, whereas this show felt more scrappy and fun and and exciting. And also the crowd here was clearly much bigger and the venue was way better suited to this show than the NXT one. So this was, I mean, this was, yeah, this was a WWE pay-per-view venue, you know, like. But I think that AEW can teach that stuff. I think they need to maybe not invest in a performance center if that's not what they're about. Last they, week you were all about the I, no, I think they should invest in a performance center, but if that's not what they're going for, they could do a hybrid approach where they don't have, they're not building a multi-million dollar center, but they are using their talent's time and maybe using some of the locations. And if you're flying everyone to one location for those people that aren't as experienced, fly them out a day early, book the hotel lobby conference room, and freaking talk to them about promos, camera work, that type of stuff. Like, do some classes. Of do some of those classes, seminars, get, or, you know, if they have a huge venue, I obviously understand that they're not going to get in early for that. But maybe for the newer performers, bring them, make them come in at 8 o'clock in the morning and, like, start some of that. Like... I mean, you know, they have like TV days. They've they've got they've got people backstage who have been in this business forever. They've got Arn Anderson. They've got Dean Malenko. They got Jerry Lynn back there. They've got Christopher Daniels. They've got Pac, who has been through the performance center process. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They've got Pac. They've got uh, they've got so many different people who have so such a wealth of experience. And your TV show doesn't start until eight p.m. You can get those guys there at noon, and these veterans can be like. You know, going over things with them and teaching them things, and like, there's so much you can learn from veterans, and you know, and I don't even mean like the style of wrestling because mm. I don't, I don't want to see this transported back to 1980s style. It's not 1980s anymore, but there are little things that you can use to improve your game. From you, you, you can learn from anybody. Yeah. Like Chris Jericho has said that he has learned more from the young guys in the last couple years than he's taught them. Right. Yeah. And they don't do house shows, so you've got even more available time. In theory, I'm assuming you're not working yeah. nearly as much. As yeah. Have them all come. Have the, the people that are less experienced come down to Jacksonville or another location and rent a, you know, you can rent, like, we saw in Total Divas, Eva Marie was, like, learning in literally, like, a storage unit that had a, had a ring in it. Like, find something like that. You've already got the people with all the experience. You leverage that. Leverage your talent. Yeah, because maybe, like, we didn't see any promos. And maybe if we had, it would have not been as good. You know? Like, like we would have known why we were not seeing yeah, promos. Yeah, like, MJF mm-hmm. nailed his. He was great. He clearly is comfortable. But maybe some of these other people are not quite at that point. And I remember Ricochet, when he came into WWE, saying, like, I love the wrestling part. I've never been good at promos. And he struggled with the promo part initially and then clearly learned from their internal process and their teaching. So maybe it's the same with these other indie people where if you're on the indies, you don't have to do that Mm -hmm. a lot. And maybe they're bad at it. And that 
that would be rough because you want to see them talk and you want to hear more about their stories, but if it's bad, it's going to be bad. And most people struggle with public speaking. Yeah. I would say almost everyone struggles with public speaking, and unless you're doing it often, and unless you've been trained with some techniques, you're going to continue to struggle. So that makes sense. I don't disagree with you as far as the population at large, but I think the kind of person that is attracted to being a pro wrestler is in general going to be a lot more outgoing than your average person. But even if you're outgoing, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at speaking in front of people. You might not be able to string together two sentences. It it might not be that you're nervous about being in front of people, which I totally get because you probably are an extrovert, but that doesn't mean that you have something to say Mm -hmm. or that you can say it well. Okay. But I do agree with that, yeah, you're not getting wallflowers in the wrestling business at large. To an extent, it's all people who want attention on them. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. My only other thought on this was comparing NXT to AEW. NXT was throwing literally everything they had into their show this week. (laughs) Like we already covered, they lost. And that's rough for them. It was a really good show, and I really enjoyed it, but, like, that's rough. And I felt exhausted watching that. I did appreciate... (laughs) It was a lot. I did appreciate that the AEW show gave me more of a view of, like, what I could expect week to week. Because they didn't look like they were tryhards. They didn't look like they were panicking. They were like, yo, this is a weekly wrestling show, and here's what it's going to be like. Up until the very end, I felt like that was maybe a little much. But everything else, it was, like, standard weekly wrestling show and i appreciated that because i know what it's what to expect now nxt there's no way in hell that next week i'm gonna get what they gave me last week because that was too much and i don't want it scale it back give me some fun matches that are five minutes long nxt please but uh aew i feel more comfortable being like i understand what what they're shooting for here what if aew gave you everything they had still like a respectable sh- I wouldn't be upset honestly it's still a show that's I think I I like more than main roster WWE I think that it's it's still like we know what AEW is doing because they have a pay-per-view in five weeks we know what some of the matches are for that pay-per-view they're building they are building their TV to sell you a pay-per-view whereas NXT doesn't have a pay-per-view to sell you they have a competitor to try to squash mm-hmm. that's their approach AEW's approach is we got to get people excited to buy Moxley versus Kenny and Jericho versus Cody, and and that's that's their direction right now. You know, that's that's what they're that's what they're all about. And I can guarantee you, anytime you're trying to sell yourself and better yourself in the long run, in the marathon, you're going to win over the person that's just trying to beat you because you're forcing yourself to be better, and you're not looking at the other person trying to like. Pivot this direction, then this direction. You know, like, you're kind of swerving all around if you're just trying to go against a competitor. Mm -hmm. But if you've got a long-term vision for where you're trying to go, and you are self-aware, and you are changing things to get better and evolve, you're always going to win. Yeah. So I liked that level of, I guess I'm perceiving it as confidence on their part. Um, But if nothing else, I just appreciated that they were like, we're showing up, we're us, and this is what you get. Whereas NXT, I've been watching you for years. I love you, NXT, but you really try-hearted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not a super flattering look. You, you look great this time, but please stop. 
Um, I've just got a few more news notes, and then we can wrap up the shenanigan. Tony Khan was asked, he did like a post-media scrum with like all the reporters who were there. There's one thing he was asked about, about a report from Sports Illustrated that Chris Jericho is going to be wrestling Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom in January. And he didn't address it directly, but he didn't deny it. And he was asked about the possibility of New Japan talents coming over to AEW. He said, I believe one good turn deserves another, but we shall see. I don't know. I can't say for sure. So it sounded like he was saying, like, you know, you're using Moxley, you're using Jericho. I think it's only fair that we would be able to have some of your guys. They had that big meeting after the Tokyo Dome show in January where AEW was pushing so hard to be the... Um, the U.S. partner. The U.S. partner. <clears throat> but Ring of Honor got it. So I thought... Well, Ring of Honor retained it. You know, Re- yeah. Well, not got it, but yeah. yeah, you retained it. So I don't think they will. I don't... I don't, don't I think AEW has to prove itself from a sustained hey we've got the ability to have and then I think they've got to sit down again and make a push to be the US partner and I think at that point they'll get it. I do feel bad for for Ring of Honor though because if I was New Japan seeing how Ring of Honor is doing versus seeing this AEW initial show I'd be like Maybe we picked the wrong partner. You can't. I mean, but you can't tell me now. And it's all—it's all because of pettiness. It's because New Japan's mad that those guys all left. You know, that's—that's—that's that's, that's all this is. Because you can't tell me, especially this week after seeing like, oh, they did 1.4 million viewers. We can get Okada on a show in America that does a million and a half viewers. Like, you can't tell me that you can't not. You can't get better exposure for your product than that. I watched the tournament match that was in Dallas where Okada was there and Tanahashi was there and the American crowd lost their minds because when when else are you ever going to see these guys mm-hmm. over here yeah so like get them on television people will freak out mm-hmm. it would be amazing move on with your lives and do what makes money and stop being so upset about dumb perceived slights let it go. For in New Japan's case, it's bad business getting in the way of good business just because they're like upset that the Bucks and Kenny and Cody left them. You know? It's business. You do what's best for you. Absolutely. Life goes on. And if you can benefit from somebody doing that, you ride their coattails and you get that <laughs> money. And that is, there's no shame. No shame. That is the American way. That's called smart business. <laughs> do it. If you cannot do it yourself, find someone else to do it for you. It is the American way. Yeah. But they're Japanese. Is that the Japanese way? Well, they're Japanese. They're Japanese, but they're trying to like they're trying to expand into America. They're trying to be a successful. Then they should follow the. (laughs) In this one instance, they should follow the American way. The best company to do (laughs) what you want to do. Yeah. Agreed. Like obviously, if you could do it, like you'd want to get in in bed with WWE. But WWE is like yeah, they're not. That's not that's not how they work. Yeah. But AEW does. Yeah. Ride their coattails. Whether or not it, it feels gro- icky to you, do but it. No, the greatest burn to get over someone who you perceive as slighting you is to succeed. So if you think them leaving to create AEW screwed you over, sign a contract with them, get that money that they're generating for you, and move on with your life. I honestly think, especially now that we've seen like how much thirst there is for like an alternative wrestling product this week, if they had just made this deal from the start, it would have ended up. They would have ended up better business-wise anyway. Mm-hmm. 
Like, they would have come into this, they would have gone from strength to strength with this relationship. You know, there wouldn't have been, like, it would have been so much better because they would have had all elite guys being able to go over to Japan and work tours too or work big shots for them the way they, the way they had before. They, re- they really blew it. And Koda and Kemi could still be... That's right. They could still be that's together. That's really what matters here, guys. Yeah. Okay, a uh, couple more things here. We were talking about... I don't want to get deep in the weeds on ratings because we already kind of talked about that. But just in general, like, this is, again, we're talking about the, the youth quake of AEW. So if you compare just people, men men and women, 18 to 49, and uh, AEW scored a .68 in that demo, whereas NXT did a .32... They literally, Whoa. they literally doubled, more than doubled that that eighteen to forty nine demo. That's seven hundred eighty six thousand people. That AEW. Ooh, get it. That's a lot. Of people under fifty. Of people under fifty. Yeah. And not even under fifty between eighteen and fifty because I think they got even more under eighteen. The one thing we can read into this is that young people are interested in this show in a way they are not interested in WWE right now. It's new and exciting. Yeah. What I think surprising is, though, that I would have expected some young people to be into NXT. I would have, too, but maybe they still see it as just, like... I, I mean, we don't know that... You're, like, what we know about the ratings is that 50 and 50-year-old men and above or whatever is the majority that watches NXT, but that doesn't mean that young people don't. I mean, they're just not the majority in the way that I think we all would believe them to be. Yeah. And I wonder how much... NXT being available on the WWE Network skews the ratings on television. So it's interesting you mentioned that because that was like that may be the first casualty of this ratings discrepancy because no what what's wrong just like they're gonna take it off of the WWE Network they are so it was supposed to be it's the, the idea is that it's to air Thursday nights from eight to ten. Like just like it airs on TV the night before, right? It did not do that this week. It they 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 held it until Friday. Wow. There, I've, Dave Meltzer was talking about there has been talk internally of holding it until the following Tuesday. Oh my goodness! Yeah. They're gonna force you to watch your television. Well, Vince was clearly embarrassed. Oh yeah. Embarrassed. Yeah, you don't send that press release out unless you're embarrassed. Exactly. You're yeah. trying to get ahead of that story. Yep. And you are. Crying in the bathroom, embarrassed. USA's big bragging right for years has been that they are the number one cable station. Is that partially because of WWE? It's largely because of WWE, okay. especially these days, because they're not the powerhouse they once were with original programming. If this if this rating maintains, if they're able to maintain like a million four viewers, and SmackDown is on Fox. And SmackDown's on Fox. That's also a part of it, because they're losing yeah. all of that viewership. Like, this could conceivably shift the landscape in a way that, like, for bragging rights, TNT becomes, once again, the number one cable station. Wow. Which it hasn't been since the 90s. Uh, so here's the news item I'm actually the most excited about this week. Like, by far. Uh, All Elite Wrestling will be launching a new digital series called AEW Dark this Tuesday, every week, featuring matches taped before and after the weekly Dynamite series on TNT. And when asked about this, Nick or Matt Jackson said, he was asked, like, do these matches count for win-loss records? He said, yes, it everything counts. So these are matches of consequence. Wow. So here, here's the lineup for it. It's going to air on uh, the All Elite Wrestling YouTube channel. Are they, I, I heard that the SCU had a dark match last week. Is that going to be on here? 
Yeah, I will tell you exactly I'm what's going to... No, I'll tell you the full lineup. There's four matches that we're going to see, and I'm, I'm very excited about this. Darby Allen versus Shima. Private Party and Best Friends versus the Lucha Brothers, Jack Evans, and Helico. That's fun. Dr. Britt Baker and Allie versus Penelope Ford and B. Priestley. And Christopher Daniels, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. How... Okay, how do win losses count when you're in a non-tag team tag team? They increase the number shown on your win losses. Yeah, everybody. It's, from what I've seen, it seems like everybody has like a singles match record and like an overall match record. Oh, okay. So the distinguish between because like uh, that's what it looked like they were doing. Yeah, some the recently. little like yeah. side number. Yeah, yeah. That's so fun. Oh, and that's good because I feel like that's going to help the problem of. AEW did a normal wrestling show in that not everybody made it on. Yeah. But we're going to get to see everybody. So it'll be yeah. much more, e- like, easier to become familiar with people that aren't week to week. I heard Darby and Shima was just so awesome, too. So, yeah. And maybe that's where you can start doing some of your NXT stuff. Of your, like, like trying people out. Trying people out. <clears throat> getting people experience and exposure to the cameras that maybe aren't ready for the broadcast. But, I mean, obviously they didn't do that with, like, the first one, but, like... But still get them out there in front of eight to 10,000 people. Yeah, yeah, and they're still being filmed, so yeah. you can still see... You can still have the hindsight of looking back on the match and seeing how you reacted to those cameras. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. I'm super excited. Like, Tony is going to host it, so I think it's going to be, like, him in studio, then, like, throwing to matches, and I, I think it's I think it's going to be great. I'm really excited to watch it on Tuesday. Great. Awesome. So are we to assume, then, that, like... All the matches on that show are going to be from the prior week's taping. Yes. Every week. Okay. So it's like almost like you get a little lead in to your next day's dynamite. Cool. That's yeah. very like cool. Isn't that awesome? I like that. Yeah. And uh, and then I guess the last thing we can talk about is what they've announced for next week's dynamite uh, for, from uh, two days from now or three 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 days from now. Uh, we've got we're in Boston, Massachusetts at the Aganis Arena, and we've got three matches announced so far. We've got the Young Bucks versus Private Party in the opening round of the AEW Tag Team Title Tournament. We've got John Moxley versus Sean Spears, which is like I'm excited that about good. that. Yeah, yeah. John Moxley is going to beat the crap out of Sean Spears. And then in a match that was just announced, uh, I believe Friday night, we've got Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara versus Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Page. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That's an interesting lineup. Yeah. I'm real excited about the Young Bucks versus the Private Party. Yeah. I think that'll be a really fun, fun... I hope that's the main event. Maybe. It could be, yeah. I could see the Jericho match be the main event since he's a world champion. And because he probably won't accept not being the main event. Everybody buckle up. We've uh, made it okay for us all to talk shit on Jericho. (laughs) And so Jenny is going to take full advantage of this leeway. I really do love... A little bit of the bubbly, though. Oh, I, I will. Give him I that. will say right now to preface anything I say down the line. I like Jericho as a wrestler. I think he's very talented. I'm just from the Midwest, and I don't like when you talk a lot about yourself because it makes <laughs> me feel like you're kind of egotistical, and we don't value that here in the lovely state of Ohio. No, no, no. We like mm-hmm. a humble hero. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's going to wrap us up for this week. It was great to finally see what AEW actually looks like and is. I feel like I feel like we've just been building up to this point for so long, you know. And uh, for them to be so successful, have so much success uh, on week one was just wonderful. And uh, and yeah, and so we'll be back to cover it 
Uh, for Megan and Jenny, I'm Andy, and thank you very much for listening. We will catch you next time on the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat.